0: Dan Doolan, I'm Chris Spillingham. and join us as we venture into the unknown and overanalyze the garden wall. Nailed it! Great introing, Dan. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> should it's been a should while?
1: Should we clarify that for us, it's been months?
0: Yeah. So for you <laughs> listening, it's a week has passed based on the previous conversation. For us, it has been, and I checked today, six and a half months. Six and a half months. Yes. Jesus. Yes. So, for those who don't know Where what happened... The time gone, Dan? Well, basically, what happened was there was a Steven Universe hiatus in, uh, so sort of late last year, around sort of September, and we were like, brilliant, great time, while there's not no new Steven Universe, we'll go down from two episodes a week to one episode a week of Steven University, our Steven Universe podcast, and then we will, on the side... Low-key, record a few episodes of over the, uh, over-analyzing the garden wall. The notion being that it could be we could release it in sort of autumn. It's a fall kind of show. It's an autumn kind of show. You know, dead leaves on the dirty ground. It's a whole... You know, there's a whole autumn theme to the show, you know, as it a vibe. Yeah. yeah, there's a vibe. Well, the seasons in general is a vibe in the show, but I, I always get an autumn-y vibe for it. So the fall felt really nice to release this. Um, and uh, we recorded three... And then we just couldn't find time to record more towards Christmas. And um, yeah, it just fell to the wayside basically because we were just so busy around, you know, leading up to Christmas. We were very grateful that we only had, you know, one Stephen University a week because we, you know, we, we, we struggled. And then, hilariously, you know, Stephen Universe came back at Christmas and then we had, you know, January and February this year we were taken up with that. And then we took a little break. And then it was like, "Hey, welcome back to podcasting." Um, so yeah, so that's how we ended up here. I had
1: no comprehension that it had been six months, though. In my head, it was like three, three months,
0: two yeah, months, no, six that's and a nice. half months. We it was I, I've got a i have got aii track I traced it back through looking at we recorded the first two, and then I emailed Fretzel who does our music to ask him if he'd be interested in doing the music and sent him the first two episodes. And that conversation happened on the 20th of September. And at that point, we'd already recorded two. So, um, uh, you know, you can do the math on that, that at least two weeks had passed since we'd started. So it was mid to early September.
1: So how have you how have you prepped for this then? Have you watched the episode the episodes again? What have you done?
0: Um, so I watched the, all the episodes up to this one, and I listened back mm-hmm. t- for, for my sins to all three podcasts. And I think I'm really pleased with how the first two turned out. Don't know what I was on in the third one. Got got some issues with myself and need to maybe address. <laughs> what happens when we do a podcast when, I've, when there's a whole weird energy going on and I'm half asleep? Because <laughs> that third, third episode I found very difficult to listen to because I was being annoyed by myself, which is pretty... That was a pretty interesting experience. Uh, <laughs> what,
1: what? So I've I've not seen the episodes, but I've listened to the podcast deliberately. I might not have done that if I'd have known it had been six months, uh, but my logic was I didn't want to just watch the episodes because I didn't want to spend this saying the same things I'd said. The previous, do you know what I mean? Because yeah, gotcha. for the listeners, it's only been a week, so I didn't want to be like, "Oh yeah, it's like this in episode one." I really wanted to just analyze episode four. Yeah. Um. So, but I did listen to the podcast to see what we'd said about, it. and actually, the podcast gives quite a good gauge of the episode without having to rewatch it. Yes. So, so we recap, and then as we're talking, I'm like, "Oh yeah." So I've also heard them. What annoyed you
0: specifically about last week, then? <laughs> just me. I just had a real weird like like the, yeah, you nail it in the first like three or four minutes you say something like well, this has started with a what bit of a weird say? energy and like and it just yeah. carries through the whole podcast i'm like i'm I'm gibbering i'm like i keep starting up as if i'm going to make an actual point but i can't quite articulate it so i'm just circling around it while my brain tries to fire and work so listening to myself try to construct co- ideas and thoughts when i'm normally or certainly based on the first two a little quicker to the mark <laughs> that was painful mm. it was it was like a plane circling a runway before landing and then the frustrating thing was sometimes i circled for so long you'd rescue me and just take take the point away, and just like not, not let it land, because otherwise I would have circled forever. Like the so there are some where I circle and never even get to the landing. It's a really weird listen for me. But, but there's
1: equally there's because it's the it's the most I've ever listened to us, apart from in the early days of MBS when we'd listen. Yeah, um, very, I
0: very rarely listen back. I mean, yeah, as as, as, and, prob- as some will assume by the shoddy editing. <laughs>
1: There were times where, uh, yeah, there are times where in "Over the Garden Wall," like you, you ask, you ask me something, and I'll just be like, "Yeah," and I, and I, in my head, I'm listening to it like, "Oh, I'm coming up with a theory." Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit with a theory in a minute, and I'm gonna, and then <laughs> no, no, I'm just, uh, it just sounds like I'm not paying attention. All right,
0: <laughs> but I'm assuming that's a common theme. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It's not worth us judging ourselves. But we did listen back to the last <laughs> three. So the six-month gap won't, shouldn't feel like that to you guys listening no, at home. No, 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 no. So, it's a frustrating shall-
1: listen as well, because in the first episode, I'm like, oh, yeah, they need to go through the woods. And I'm like, oh, this is where I do it. This is where I'm like purgatory. It takes me fucking ages to get to purgatory. <laughs> like, <laughs> it takes me so long. I still think it's purgatory
0: that's it's a reasonable theory like i said like i said to you at the time and this is would be my honest answer whether i knew or didn't know where this was going it fits like, that is like honest answer well, Daniel. it fits yeah does yeah i'm i'm on board yeah. i get it i'm on, I'm, on, I'm on board so let's talk about episode 4 then chris uh, before we bore anyone by continuing to analyze our own podcast um that we'll save that for um uh for overanalyzing the garden wall talk talk the Chris yep. Hardwick presented yeah, yeah. discussion well, you, show. Of you this recap. You,
1: th- yeah, th- okay. just uh, just one final analysing. You are better at recapping the show than me. So. Okay, I, d- I didn't really pay attention
0: to the recaps. Well, okay, I'll tell you. I I, I did it. I did
1: it. it in the second episode, and it's shit. Okay, <laughs> it's
0: really bad. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, Wirt and Greg or Whurt and Bert, as you dubbed them at one point, um. We're both uh, traveling through the woods. Obviously, heading to Adelaide with Patrice, when they come across uh, during a storm a um, a pub, they take shelter, but also they're looking for directions. Um, it very quickly becomes this weird thing where everyone in the pub doesn't seem to live by like being a unique individual human, but they instead seem to they have they have titles and roles to play. And there's the bartender, and there's the highwayman, and there's the toy maker and the tailor, and uh, they're all trying to figure out what what works thing is and he's like well I'm just kind of me um, and while he's doing that and they're giving him they're, they're trying to figure it out help him with it so they at one point they think he's a, he's a young lover and they're, they're planning a wedding for him because the, they think he, they misunderstand that he's looking for Adelaide as he's looking for his lost love so they decide he's like a you know a, 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 a sort of, a, sort of a, an unrequited love or not even an unrequited love like a, like, a, like a love story that he's in and then they change their mind and they decide he's some sort of journeyman on an epic quest while all that program- is happening patrice is outside she hears the the call of a woodsman who's singing some sort a woodsman-y song that's like la 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 chop the wood and light the fire and it all seems so all sounds pretty safe and jovial she wanders into the woods but then inside the bar work mentions the beast and everyone gets a bit freaked out about the whole beast thing and they tell him all about the beast and they mention the lantern. And he goes, well, the woodsman had the lantern, not the beast. And they're like, dude, that was the beast. So he runs off uh, into the woods after, I think, a scream from Patrice, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. They go off. He jumps. He, he rides a horse very heroically, grabs a lantern of his own, gets out into the woods. And he finds the woodsman that we met in the first episode, voiced by Christopher Lloyd, um, over Patrice's unconscious body. And he rescues in her and... As they escape, she sort of reveals that she didn't get, as far as she's aware, knocked out by the woodsman, as he assumed, because he believes in a, that the woodsman was the, was the beast at that point. And he very bravely saves her, actually. I didn't really comment on that, but yeah, it's a very brave... He sort of grabs at the woodsman's leg while he gets uh, Greg to save her and stuff. It's really... It's a, it's a, it's a good little scene for work, I think. And um, Ratusso reveals that she actually just crashed into the tree because it was so dark and she, she couldn't see. And then the woodsman is confronted by what we can assume is the actual beast. And we get a hint that maybe the woodsman took the lantern from the beast. For what purpose? For what reason? We do not know. There's a few other hints towards what the beast is and does in this episode that we'll get to when we overanalyze it, I assume. But that's the vague uh, basis of the story. And uh, they now have directions to Adelaide from the horse who uh, that he rode, who turns out talks. Uh, <laughs> just, just They just do that at the end. The horse just talks. So there you go.
1: Steve the Horse. Um, St- Steve yeah. the Horse. That's good correct. Su- good summary, Dan. Well done.
0: Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Well, you enjoyed it. Um, I really liked this one. I thought it raced along at a good pace. There yes. was I liked the Beast twist and then the Beast twist twist. So mm-hmm. um, I thought it was cool when we thought it was Christopher Lloyd's character. I thought it was cool when it turns out it wasn't. Um, the i found the comment about the oil and the daughter really intriguing yes we'll, um we'll break that down in a little greg bit. greg doesn't get a lot to do um but i think that's fine i think it was yeah i thought the young lover thing was interesting because i was like they've obviously each got their role and again, I'm I'm obsessed with my purgatory thing, and I'm like, he is the young lover because obviously in the first episode he's all heartbroken and and talking about this this girl, yes. And I was like, they they think for Adelaide, but he is the young lover. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously it becomes the the kind of pilgrim thing, and I like the hero of your own story. Um, we you know we talked a lot about this his his character's growth, and I'm beginning to kind of wonder is it in you know is it in his head all of this, right. um. Is, is is it he, he him alone that's in purgatory and, and Greg isn't? And I think, you know, they they call him the hero of his own story. So I found that quite intriguing. Um, and it mm-hmm. was, yeah, it was fun. I don't think it was as outright... I don't think any episode has been as funny as the second episode.
0: Um, yeah, no, the, but the, the, were... pot, the Pottsville or Pottsfield... Pottsfield? It's Field, isn't it? That episode is probably, of the four we've seen, for, for sure the funniest.
1: Yeah and uh, but it was you know it was just a, 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 a Rick rolling good time
0: <laughs> Yeah it does have a lot of comedy in it particularly like they do, do Greg doesn't get a lot of story but he does get a lot of great one liners in this episode when he's like, I'm, you know, yes, I'm Greg yeah, and I'm, hu- and, uh, uh, I'm hungry. That's a horse, <laughs> you know. Like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great gags, yeah. especially early in the episode when he keeps talking about how hungry he is. And then in the background, in one of the scenes, you just see him just stealing food, essentially, in the background.
1: <laughs> yeah, then he's he's just got like a
0: plate of meat
1: when he goes <laughs> to the window and stuff.
0: It's really good. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, yeah, and even after he's finished that plate, he still says, "I'm hungry," which is, I think, pretty funny. Um, so I do think there's a lot of comedy in this episode.
1: Yeah, 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 there's there, there definitely is. Um, it just—I don't think it's as like the second episode was really funny. Yeah, it but it's definitely um, it's definitely engaging, um, and it it's kind of it's quite and like I said, it's a really nice pace as well. It's broken up by the the mm-hmm. two songs. I thought it was an interesting. I just I don't remember knowing that they were only half brothers. It is not relevant at all, but I just found it an interesting detail for them to just sort of slip
0: in. I believe this is the first time that's confirmed.
1: Yeah, and Um, like I said, I just thought that was interesting.
0: Well, how do you think that changes the dynamic? Because I've got the exact line here. Um, During Wirt's attempt at doing a song to explain his situation, to try and get them to give him directions, one of the lines he utters is, we're related because my mom remarried and gave birth to him with my stepdad. That's Mm. the line. Um, To my knowledge, that is the first reference to them being only stepbrothers. Do you think that changes... The dynamic at all? Or do you think that's to you that's... Well, of the
1: be half-brothers, br- half not step-brothers.
0: Sorry, yes, sorry. Half-brothers, sorry. Um Do you think making um, them half-brothers... Do do how do you think that plays into any of their character dynamics? Or do, you, or do you think it's very, kind of just a detail rather than...
1: Very bizarre. Because I, I don't think it should. Um, I don't think it... But it's... you got... You've got 10 minutes you, and 10, 10 minute episodes, and that's the detail they decided to give. So, you, I don't know if you could, no, because I think little brother alone is enough to get that kind of he's a bit irritating, he's a bit, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. You know, he's in some ways the ultimate caricature of the. Stereotypical little brother, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And I think I think that works just as well, little brother or half brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would change the dynamics if it was step because there's an inherent like rivalry and stuff there. See the mm-hmm. Will Ferrell uh, <laughs> <a> film.
0: <laughs> um, Will, Will Ferrell, John C, C. Riley.
1: John C. Riley, that's it. I've yeah. never actually seen it, but it's yeah. a, you know yeah.
0: that that movie is dumb but fun. Yeah,
1: there oh. you go. Yeah. Um... Sat- name of your sex tape way um <laughs> and uh yeah What's my point yeah so I don't think no I don't think it should I think that, actually, would, I, think that, I think the
0: true na- name of my se- uh, my uh, sex tape is uh, well this started with a weird energy didn't it <laughs> <laughs> carry on sorry I
1: am. Um, but like I say, they don't have much time to give us information, and that's a piece of information they did actively yeah. decide to give us. But
0: but I suppose there's always two levels to that in any form of screenplay or, or or you know or just play even or any sort of even in like a novel. I suppose sometimes the information is there because it's actually relevant to the plot and the story, and sometimes the information is there just to give you a bit more context for the characters and their relationships to each other. Um, so when I first saw this, and I won't say, obviously, because I don't want to say anything beyond what I saw when I first saw it because I don't want to give anything away, but I didn't find that detail as interesting as, like, I think I spoke to Nadia about it and I think, I could be misremembering, but I seem to remember there being a discussion where it, where she felt like it was going to be story relevant and I just was a bit like, maybe it just helps you sort of understand a bit more why they're not, they don't seem quite as in, maybe, in, maybe the idea is that that's why they're not quite as in sync. You know, they're not like... Full brothers like or is it just or is it just like a, a detail where maybe there's a bit of resentment there because greg represents you know uh his mother but this other man that married his mother in the end you know and and, and may, so maybe that sort of like feel you know affects his feelings for greg even if uh, you know even if it's not that sort of relevant to the story it just sort of contextualizes his opinion of it maybe
1: maybe i suppose does it slightly depend how far down they go down this you know how much is it his responsibility to protect him but i wouldn't he doesn't seem like the kind of character that would be that would have how much he should protect him influenced by whether they're half brothers, friends, step brothers, I don't, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's I was a, thinking more of it along it's a the bizarre li- detail to give.
0: I was thinking of it more along the lines of: in the first episode, he was quick to blame Greg for his troubles, and the woodsman oh, called him. The point. woodsman called him out on that and said, "You know, you need to accept responsibility. He's younger than you." you know you're together in this like if he's making choices you you can't just go well it's his fault like you have to be able to take responsibility for your younger brother in this to a certain degree and i could see him maybe resenting a little bit that because obviously you know uh if then especially if they're not like if they're only sort of half related i suppose you could see it as I, I i don't know i i i found that just sort of contextualized his feelings for greg a bit more you could see there being slightly more bitterness there especially if he doesn't get on with the stepdad. But that is also mm. a massive assumption based on the fact that television doesn't tend to do nice stepdads. Um they've I've, there's been a few recently that surprised us. I remember us commenting on that when we review TV shows on our main podcast nothing but static. You know, the stepdad is usually the asshole, the same way that the uh mm. that the that the current boyfriend in a romantic comedy is usually a dickhead too. You know. Mm. Um and the, so, and that trope gets broken sometimes, but that is a big trope. So I think there's an assumption that the stepdad is the asshole because that's like, you know, it's just the way these things mm. normally go. Um, but it could be a very happy, functional family for all we know, and therefore it might not be that relevant at all. But I thought, I thought, I what? do think it's an interesting detail, and I agree with you. You don't put that sort of thing in there for no reason. That's for sure.
1: No, there has to be there has to be something to that. Mm-hmm. What did um, what did you think of the song? Big fan of music as you are.
0: Um, I think the songs in this show um, that, so in Steven Universe the songs are like songs I could listen to outside the context of the show. The songs in this set up atmosphere really well. So this, the particularly the Highwayman song in this, it's brilliantly animated, very creepy, just oozes atmosphere and tone. Um, and it's actually a massive reference to an old Betty Boop cartoon, which I'll get to a little bit later. Um, but it's it's not the sort of music I would then go and listen to. I wouldn't have that song like on on a Spotify playlist. But in the context, no, of... I wasn't. I wasn't humming it when it was finished. No, no, no. But in the context of the episode, it's a brilliant piece of music. It, it, it you know, uh, and, yeah. and also the second song with the uh, from from the from the Betty Boop facsimile, the waitress or whatever, the bartender, or whatever. What was actually I can't remember her name Slash label. Uh, none of them had real names. They all were just labeled after what they do. Um. I can't but, remember her. But when her, she did, she did the song about the about the beast, basically. Mm. Um, and that was that was a, also a really brilliant song for what it was doing. The lyrics are really poignant, uh, and the actual like uh, the song is very good in the context of the show. But you know, the one song that I must say that I do like from this show though that keeps coming back in undertones. Whenever they mention Adelaide, Adelaide, the song that Greg was singing when they were first on their way you know he was like he was walking alongside them. he's going adelaide adelaide mm. come and join our adelaide parade or whatever the song was like he he made up an adelaide song the music actually does that tune every time adelaide is referenced now in the background maybe not every time oh, but a cool. lot of the time um like particularly there's one very very obvious version of that towards the end of this episode that i think is a really neat little detail um that like, there's a musical sting that echoes greg's adelaide song i think that's pretty neat
1: it- it feels like they're setting her up to be the the other, the other counterpart to the Beast. Um, yes. And the Beast certainly seems like... So let's break down what he says. I mean, it certainly seems to me like the, the lyrics of the song... I've got them in front of me if you want about, me to
0: repeat some of them for you.
1: I would love you to repeat some of them.
0: <laughs> so uh, this is what they say about the Beast in the song. He lurks out there in the unknown, that makes sense, seeking those who are far from home. Hoping never to let you return, so their goal is to get out of these woods. They've made it very clear that the beast would rather they didn't get home. Um, and then it's ooh, better be wise. Ooh, don't believe his lies. So he, he's a liar for a start. So he's 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 very much like the uh like the sort of like idea of the devil in that he's a manipulator as well as a danger. He's he, you know he's he could potentially well, yeah. lie to you as well as as, as 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 attack you physically. You you know he could mislead t- or trick you.
1: I keep coming back to to Devil and, and to mm-hmm. him trying to keep you in in purgatory and or him having the power. It's interesting, the light thing. I'd love to know who the woodsman's daughter is. <laughs>
0: well, we'll get well, there's a, I've got the lines for that as well a bit further down here, but um yeah. uh, for once your will begins to spoil, he'll turn you to a tree of oil and use you in his lantern for to burn. I'm going to repeat that one. That's a, that, There's a lot to break down in that one, isn't there? So basically, you know, um, you better be wise. Don't believe his lies. And the next line from the uh, the Betty Boop facsimile song is, for once your will begins to spoil, so once you start to give up maybe, maybe he keeps you in the woods until your will gives in and you just start going, this is pointless. I'm not getting out of here. He'll turn you to a tree of oil and you'll notice that were actually took real heed in that. Because when he f- saw Beatrice at the bottom of that tree, he said, "You're turning her into an elder tree he was he was mm. referencing what he'd just heard in the song um uh he'll turn you to a tree of oil so that's that's where the oil is coming from it's coming that's why he's a woodsman because he's he's obviously the woodsman is obviously chopping down the trees and that's where he's getting the oil to keep his lantern burning um so he'll turn you to a tree of oil and use you in his um yeah and use you in his lantern for to burn so they're saying that basically the beast uses people and turns them into trees and uses them for, as oil for to run his lantern. Why that is now in the hands of um, the woodsman, unclear, but the woodsman does say, um, Begone beast, I fought you for the lantern before and I'll bite you again.
1: Mm, and what I want to know is why isn't everyone a tree then How, what, all the people in the pub, the people in the school like mm-hmm. that's what's intriguing me. Stop what turning everyone into that
0: yeah, it does seem to be there's a difference between our travelers and the residents, isn't there? There does seem to be mm. he does seem to have interest in the the two boys traveling through the woods rather than the people who seem to reside there that is there. I noticed that as well when I first watched it is that covered? I mean, uh, like, I think what's gr- I think what's cool about the way this show works is because it's only ten episodes, there's, covered in that there is enough information later on for you to, to sort of, if you know, to piece together a theory of your own, rather than outright, okay. l- definite defined rules. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, y- yes, yes but not as directly as maybe you'd hope so I...
1: hard yeah
0: um so yeah so uh, i you know I, I think that's really interesting and i will i'll say as well that like um he the the line that you picked up on is the response to the begone beast i fought you for the lantern before i fight again line which is no need for violence woodsman but be sure to keep it lit or your daughter's flame will go out forever now what direction did those children go Oh, and that's the, the thing I didn't mention in my actual in my uh, in my intro. I oh, know we'll get we'll finish talking about this first, not I'll talk about the other thing.
1: Why well, did I? Because then they close up on the lamp, and it almost looks like something's in the lamp. But then I was like, is his daughter Beatrice? Is his daughter assuming I'm right in the real in you know in the in the real world? Mm-hmm. Is the woodsman looking after his? Da- I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Is Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool if his daughter was somehow Beatrice. That might be quite fun. Sure. Because, just because, but she's the only other one we're really being made to invest in. Yeah, that makes sense. But then why... I don't know. You'd think he'd be showing more emotion at seeing Beatrice lying there. Unless his daughter is... Assume working on the like coma theory, he's somehow keeping his he died and he's keeping his daughter in a coma by collecting the oil.
0: Yeah, I mean, then that's that's a very literal, sort of like practical theory that does fit in with your existing one, so it makes sense.
1: But then, what, why is everyone else able to do it on their own will and his daughter
0: he's in charge, you know. Well, I mean, if you go back to the we I mean, I don't know if I'm feeding you too much here, but if you go back to the song, you know, um he'll spoil here ah uh, um, your will begins to spoil, he'll turn you into a turn you to a tree of oil and use you in his lantern for to for to burn.
1: Oh, so his daughter's in the lan, the oil in the lantern?
0: I mean, you you certainly that was certainly um something that was discussed okay. between me and nadia as an option back at the time. and
1: that, that that would explain the close-up shot of the lantern specifically after it
0: yeah i would say so yeah, yeah yeah
1: it's just so cool i love the fact that it's 10 episodes i love the fact that it was written you know this shit is written to be answered and it's uh it's all part of a of a plan
0: yeah i mean it's really interesting actually because apparently um i've sent you some pictures by the way i'll talk we're going to come to in a second so you may have seen your phone light up bear with me on that don't go to those just yet um it's interesting because i found out today the reason it ended up being a miniseries i did not know this so there was a pilot which also exists out there that's not part of this 10 episode run where it was called tome of the unknown and it was uh the premise seems to have been a bit different they hadn't worked out the details yet it's a bit like the uh the Steven Universe pilot, in that it's not canonically part of the show at all, but it gives a good idea of the tone that they were going for, and the you know the style and sense, mm. sense of humor they were going for. So, it's pretty cool in that sense, but it doesn't really affect doesn't really affect the actual show. But um, he made that, and they wanted desperately to make it into a full series. Cartoon Network were really beseeching him for it, apparently, and and basically the creator of the show is like, I I can't I cannot move to L A for a number of years. I just can't do it. I want. I need to live somewhere where they have seasons actually happening, <laughs> because LA is, uh, you know, famously its weather basically never changes, no matter what's going on. You know, winter is hardly winter in LA. It's still pretty sunny. So like that, you know, he sort of complained that LA doesn't really have seasons in the traditional sense, and like that he didn't really want to live through that. So instead, he wow. they, the, the 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 decision was made that he was like, I will come out to LA to make the show, but I, I just want to do it for a bit, and so we'll just do ten episodes. Wow. So isn't that really interesting?
1: That's crazy. Did he what else had the creator done then to be in a position to well, negotiate
0: I, that? I g you know what I don't know, but I guess um I guess they just like the pilot a lot. Um I'll I'll double check that yeah, while play. we're while we're talking. 'Cause yeah, you'd yeah, you you must expect that the creator must be like must have yeah, it's Patrick McHale, so let me just Look at what else he's it's done. Some negotiation, and obviously
1: also to not to not be of the mindset of well, I need I need to do this.
0: You know what? Weirdly, pretty much not much else. Something called Blackford Manor, and something some other short called Thank You. There's very little on his IMDb. So yeah, I guess they just really liked the. Um, I guess they just really liked his. Uh, pilot. A pilot. Well, yeah, he worked on well, a couple of other too. shows. Though he must have had a good relationship with Cartoon Network though, 'cause because he worked on a few of their earlier shows as um, storyboard artist. So he worked on Misadventures of Flapjack. Um, he was a storyboard artist. Oh wait, no. What's that? After leaving Flapjack, he joined storyboard artist Pendleton Ward. Oh, he helped develop Adventure Time with Pendleton Ward. No, okay. So, I mean, that's got to, You've got to have some sway if you've helped put Adventure Time yeah, on Cartoon that's... Network, I suppose um that's some soy yeah because that's a that's a hell of a show isn't it so um so yeah so that's that's the stuff he worked on um but yeah it's it's interesting that i i sort of really respect that he was just like no i'll just do it my way thanks
1: yeah and i think it's working out great it's you know um this is it's uh, again as i as i have said before it's it's difficult in a way because it's um it's this. This is both a great way, you know. It's fun to to chat to you and put stuff out there and stuff like that. But the the ideal way to watch this is one after the other without analysing it for half an
0: hour, forty minutes. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's, that's fair. <laughs> but I mean, so like, so there's all these hints about like the, how the, the the beast sort of works and what's actually going on. But it, but for me, I think what I like most about it is just the the character angle here because, like, as much as like you going, oh, what's what's going on? Like this, the idea that this woodsman was trying to help them the first time um and they've come in now and like run off on their of their own accord because they think they thought you know they mistakenly think he's the beast but he's still telling the beast you know be gone like i fought you before i'll fight again you leave these kids alone like you know yeah
1: i love i love let the children be like i love the idea of the the silent protector and stuff um and i think that's it's such a fascinating dynamic of what happens when they next bump into him you know
0: yeah 100 percent. i think the design as well is really cool the idea that he's like this shadowy figure with these like look like antlers or something sticking out from either Mm -hmm. side really cool design on the beast and also like when you hear the beast you think sort of you do think animalistic this sort of Mm -hmm. um more like devious sort of uh it, it, it this sort of devious devilish character is is kind of a, a left turn really for what you'd imagine the beast to be and i think that's really clever and i think that's really cool and i think that that leans into the sort of turn of this episode because again there's that guy at the beginning that's like you know what does he keep yelling he keeps yelling the beast is upon me you know um and like i don't know maybe that's his job he just runs up and down yelling the beast is upon me i'm not really sure but um do you think do you think just cuz i don't
1: particularly have any more beast theories so sorry to change the subject unless you had anything else to to say
0: um i yeah i guess the point i was sort of rounding up to with the beast is i think what they did in this episode that was really clever was they subverted a lot of your expectations of that character and what that character is and is and 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 the beast in in a single episode you go well that was the threat this week great move on because a beast isn't that interesting but now with this episode it's sort of established that the beast is actually a bigger part of the law and not just a one-off thing and we'll definitely be running through mo- you know the yeah, main premise is also of the, the, of, it, it,
1: and a clever way of doing it you know this is this was almost this was this was thanos chatting to Ronan in guardians of the galaxy
0: <laughs> and we've yeah we've yet to have infinity war um yeah, and I, I and I like the the sort of character angle of it as well. It's like this idea that's manipulator talking to this woodsman, and the woodsman is clearly lost, and, but still is is still fight. he he's lost someone clearly, and he's mm. still fighting for the for the protection of these two kids. Maybe because of the loss that he's experienced, um, I like how it characterizes the woodsman. So the beast inclusion in this episode is really important, and makes it and, and elevates it from just being a fun little jaunt in a you know local sort of um, bar to being something more interesting.
1: But do you do you think the bar the bar jaunt suffers because there's been so the pumpkins had a story an ABC the the yeah. school has an ABC it it really is a jaunty song there's no story to the bar people in the same way no um, there's a little bit so of
0: character d- exploration uh, in their ideas of bit. in in their ideas of who work is and this idea of giving him a. Uh, Giving, they wanted they wanted to define him but he's himself and then there's this, there's this great because of them and the way it plays out there's this turn to bravery at the end for work which feels both out of character and also right all at once um and I think that's really clever um i I, I like that I like the way they sort of made his character go from being reluctant to having a friend in danger and you know jumping on a horse and riding in to save her, like I think that's that does feel like a yeah. big big moment moment for him, and that I think that comes from his interactions in the bar. You know, I don't think yes,
1: but it's not it's not their story though. Um, no, it's the not at the all. Others had a story. No, but no, no. They're but a ca- they're was... a
0: catalyst for 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 Wirt's sort of evolution rather than actual. But
1: is that a bad thing, though? Because I was going to say, my other question was going to be, do you think this, this reoccurring theme of go somewhere, meet the people that are there, have a bit of a thing, leave, do you think that's going to become repetitive? And I think potentially if this is a hint to, well, we're not really going somewhere and telling stories there, it's just adding to the backdrop of the woods. Because I don't, if we were still doing that in 10 episodes' time, it I I want it to build well, there's, there's only there's only there's only six left, so Yeah well exactly. And I, but so. I want those six to i want those I want you know, I want to keep seeing the beast more and the woodsman more. I want it to come to start, you know, coming together more than going somewhere for an for an adventure. Um do you were you thinking that at that that at this point and do you think it being the the people in the bar not really having a story is a sign that we are lending, lending leaning towards more, that, more like, to leaning, more yeah that, that
0: yeah I, certainly at a certain point like in a longer show in a show that's running multiple years we'd still be just doing townsfolk of the week for sure mm. but in a in a, in the version of this show that's a miniseries you do have to start sort of. Leaning into your overall narrative, mm. if you want to start wrapping some of the, the the bigger ideas up. So yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly what's happening. But I think if this episode's one of its weaknesses is that it doesn't find a way to do both. Very don't, doesn't find a way to do both concurrently, um, but I do think mm-hmm. there are episodes coming up. That do a better job of not feeling like those two things are that separate, where they manage to move mm-hmm. the thing forward, and there's the new person and thing we meet that week. Do you know what I mean? New situation they stumble into. Yeah. They find a better. There's a better balance for that going forward, I think, than this one. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think that necessarily makes this one. It makes it slightly no, weaker, don't. but it's still very enjoyable. So I don't think it's a no. Huge, I don't. It's not a huge like. Uh, it's not a huge sort of nail in the head of this one. It's 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 just a small, tiny little niggle rather than an actual like no issue.
1: I don't, and I think the reason it's not is because a song is naturally quite upbeat and entertaining. You you replace all of that song dialogue with mm. a conversation, then it suffers. But because you kind of go right, we're not in the bar for long. What's the most entertaining thing we could do? okay let's let's do a song yeah Yeah. um so although the song isn't inherently catchy let's do a song let's do that beast intrigue do that beast twist and have these people deliver things either character stuff or story stuff in an interesting way i think that's what that's what saves it. Mm. What were you What were you going to say earlier when you said, oh, we'll we'd discuss that in a second? Oh, yes. Yeah, so one,
0: one thing that I really like as well is this reveal at the very end of the la la la, chop the wood to light the fire actually being the beast. Mm. Because yeah. it, it's so jovial. You, you, you can't. It doesn't sound like Christopher Lloyd. So you're like, well, I don't think it's the Woodsman as we know him. But you assume it's someone else when. But when. um, Beatrice goes after that.
1: When Beatrice hears it, yeah.
0: yeah. Sorry, Beatrice hears that sound and goes after it. The last thing you're thinking is that's the sound of the beast. And even at the end of the episode when you're introduced to the Beast, you're still not thinking about that. But then there's this glorious, very clever moment at the end where as he walks away from the woodsman, he sings that song in that exact same way. Um, and I think, that's, uh, I think that's really clever. And I, I just remember, even when I first watched it, thinking that was a really cool notion. Um, and again, it, I suppose that lends into the, uh, the, the thing I was thinking of, earlier, which is this idea that this whole episode serves to subvert your ideas of what the Beast is
1: yeah and that's that that is really clever because obviously you're and it's not just it's not just the term beast it's very much between the stuff with the dog and in general the way it's described and the shadows in the first episode you mm. do you are picturing this big you know dog like beast beast like an animalistic beast, so to have it be this slimy, you know, almost human, but we're not quite sure whether it's human or not, creature um, who's who's conniving and, you know, playing chess pieces, it immediately, it's, a, it's such a clever thing to do, to whether you're invested or not. If, if it subverts an expectation and subverts what we think we know, it's automatically going to engage an interest a little bit more. Yeah, I'd agree.
0: I would agree. Yeah, and, and I think what's interesting as well is I think you've in a show like this where you've only got 10 episodes. I think they've, I think at this point, I was starting to go. Well, I think what's clever about all this in general is a lot of this is more sort of thematic than like it's mm. all very dreamlike, and therefore, in quote marks, explaining a lot of this doesn't seem like you need a big leap or a big. Exp- you know you don't i i didn't i didn't feel like this show would set itself up in a way where i would need a big info dump at any point i felt like a couple of key things were going to make a lot of this make sense very quickly even if only sort of like in that sort of more ethereal dreamlike way than a direct practical science do you know do you, do you see what i mean when i'm talking mm-hmm. about the difference between the two because i think you look at a show like lost and lost set itself up in a world where you felt like you needed factual details explain how this world works in like utter like I want to know why this thing does this thing and this thing does this thing and why this person did this whereas with this I always felt like it's all so sort of it's all very atmospheric and sort of dreamlike. that I feel like a couple of quick you could easily explain this very quickly with just a couple of sentences if it is something sort of purgatory dreamy like that because a lot of it then doesn't necessarily need to make practical sense if it turns out to all be in someone's head for example do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, then, yeah, yeah. Th- then, then, a lot of the weirdness is actually character work rather than practical. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. And I no, think no, it does make and I think sense. Sub- and, and I think subverting the beast is a sign of that. What they're doing there, which is like, d- doesn't you can you can go? Oh, what physically is the beast? Well, the beast is kind of whatever the beast needs to be. Like, you can you know, people are scared of it as if it's this rabid dog creature. But here you've kind of met, you know, this incarnation of it, and it is clearly like more of a conniving force of evil. Um, but even that doesn't feel that defined. But it, that feels like enough information to go. I get it. I get what the beast is now. Have I physically? seen exactly what the beast looks like no do i know exactly how the beast physically works in the reality of this world no but i now get it does that make sense this was the episode that's the episode that sort of hit me with the show i was just like they've done a really clever balance of this sort of mysticism mixed with mystery and i think it works in the show's favor and i think that's why it's such an enjoyable ride because you you're not even necessarily worried about like the exact nature of certain stuff, because you just sort of—it's—it's it's a weird no. mystical world where that sort of thing, you know, sort of fits, it fits in a really yeah.
1: Way. I'm worried, I'm, and the more mystical stuff I am worried about, feels like it could, it could be linked to the explanation. So I think it's—they do a good job of making me go, "What's going on with the pumpkins?" and kind of what's going on with the people in the bar. But why? Why is the horse talking? Meh. Do you know what I mean? That's more mystical part of the world. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and
0: and and, and in terms of, um, so I, I guess we move on to some of the like the little details, like a couple of missable details, and a tiny bit, a tiny bit of truth, very tiny bit, if that's okay. Unless you've got anything else you want to say overall about the episode. No, no, no. Cool. Um, so one of those little black turtles from the very first episode is on the tree stump when the woodsman approaches it. Cool. Um, I thought that was a nice little detail. They clearly live and hang around those weird oil trees. Um... It's really interesting that uh, basically the tavern people try to peg work you know, like as, a, as a sort of stock character, the young lover and the pilgrim, because sort of, they think he's on some sort of quest, I guess. Um, but what's funny about that is like in reality, if you're actually going by screenwriting archetypes, work actually fits into the category of every man, because you know, but even though he fits into the character, character of every man, and he even says, "I'm just a guy, I guess." there are traces of the two characters they've found in him so the you know he does pine for a lost love in the first episode and he is sort of on a quest so they have yeah. they they've not pulled those things out of their asses he's just more complex than that yeah and i think it's really interesting that what the sort of stuff they're doing is the sort of stuff like the sort of character archetypes are sort of based in literary or, like, in screenwriting terms, like archetypes that are very popular and, and repeatedly used. Um, and I think that's, you know, a, a, a tavern full of people thinly defined by labels, it makes sense that they can't it's, quite work out our everyman who fits multiple labels because he's actually a well-rounded character.
1: <laughs> it's funny, though, because most of their labels aren't aren't as emotive as the Pilgrim or the Young Lover. Like no. the Baker... They're quite, they're very descriptive. They're yes. very, you know, the the job titles. Absolutely correct.
0: Yeah, 100% as well. Um, so, yeah. So and then obviously the Highwayman song is a very, very direct reference to a Old Betty Boop uh, piece called Mini the Moocher, which had um, Cab Calloway did a song and they basically animated all this animation around it. And it was a very sort of like, the, the song is very much Stylistically fits Fair. with the song from the Betty Boop cartoon. The animation of the of the Highwayman dancing very much fits with this, the animation style of the original, and um, and obviously this this episode has the the the, the sort of uh, the bartender lady. She is her voice is a very very clear nod to Betty Boop. Mm. Um, so I think that's a really it's cool.
1: All, it's all very as a song. Um, it's all very cool in response, isn't it?
0: Yes. Yeah yeah yeah
1: like certainly certainly when I actually heard it the other day because um it was on I was just flicking through the channels and um one of Robbie Williams's swing gigs was on. It's the one that where they go da 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 and then the audience repeated back, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um and yeah he was uh, he was performing that in the palladium Dan. At the palladium? Yeah.
0: Hmm. London Palladium. Yeah, where I where I've been. Well, no, so, sorry, uh, sorry.
1: Let me rephrase that. Uh, he was before we get at the London Palladium, where of course Dan's
0: been. Yep.
1: Can I see went, it, but I winked there.
0: I went, I went, I went. I, went, I saw, uh, I saw, Jonathan Pye.
1: A very different show, I imagine. Yes, <laughs> yes. But but anyway, yeah, he was. It's a good song. Yeah, um, Robbie Williams does a good version of it. Great, <laughs> not right relevant to Over the Garden Wall, but we'll go with it. <laughs> well, it's it's more relevant than you than Dan's visited. That's fair. I was c- commenting on the song and the call and response nature of it that was used in the episode. Fair. Did they? Did the characters at any point rally against Brexit or Trump? No, it's not that relevant to Jonathan Pye. Carry on. <laughs> um
0: not one of the characters in the tavern reveals their names they only are revealed by titles slash professions Um, I've been to taverns (laughs) (laughs) the beast song of la 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 chop the wood to light the fire is sung in the tune uh, of an uh, aria in scene 3 of act 1 of the opera Hansel and Gretel so the opera version of I've clearly not seen it. <laughs> the Hansel and Gretel opera which I've definitely not seen, but apparently it's uh, the, the, the that song is sung to that tune. Cool. Nice. But there are loads of like it's interesting because Hansel and Gretel in general and, you know, mm. over the garden wall, like that th- those two things are not that dissimilar. I mean, it is ultimately no, kids yeah. lost in the woods sort of, you know, thrust into potential harm in their yeah. innocence. Like I, I don't know, there's there's I don't think that's uh, I don't think those two things are a million miles away. Um No, I agree. And then an interesting one. Now, so, one of the characters in this is called the Toy Maker, right? In the yeah. tavern. And he is, at the beginning, you'll see him carving a wooden toy of another person who is actually in the bar. Oh, cool. One of the other characters in the bar is the is obviously the basis for this toy he's designing that's made of wood. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first episode, Chris? And I told you that the, the woodsman was briefly visible in the opening scene of the very first episode. Yeah. While the music played. If you open up your yeah. phone... I have sent you three images from the opening scene um of the uh, from the whole show have you got them up so the first one I sent you I think if they came in the order I wanted them to should be some toys some what toys like figures mm-hmm. yeah you know, it's the middle one. It's the Highwayman. Yep. Oh, yeah. So this little shot that seemed like a, just a random artistic shot in the first episode was actually a reference to this specific episode, because that is the uh, that, that toy there is based on the Highwayman. You've got to assume that the toy maker also made toys, just made toys of people he saw, basically, and met. Um, and that that one there in the middle is the highway man. And if you go along to all the, the other... That's
1: the dog from the bar, isn't it, in there as well?
0: Um, yes, you're absolutely right. Didn't even spot that one. Good eye. Very good eye. You're bang on. And if you go along to the next image I sent you, this is also from the opening title sequence of the very first episode. It is a circus with a uh, with a gorilla juggling. And as we now know from um, uh, school... It's not schoolyard, is it? It's school schoolhouse follies or whatever that episode was called that gorilla is actually the uh the that that guy in a gorilla suit yeah and then if you go along to the third image i have sent you that is um enoch the cat in pots potsfield enoch the cat turned out to be that cat turned out to be the uh source of the voice inside the giant pumpkin head that sentenced them to manual labor Oh, nice! So three of the episodes we've seen were referenced in the first episode's opening sequence. Now I'm going to suggest My you needs. I'm going to suggest you do not go back and rewatch it because I don't want you to pick up any hints for future episodes. But okay, uh, I th- I, th- I, it's, I thought it's about time I pointed out that every episode seems to have have some sort of reference. That's cool. In the, uh, in, the in the in the very first time So when maybe we finish the series, you should go back and have a look at that. Or I could just keep sending this, sending you the it, relevant yeah. screenshots, maybe. <laughs> Um, yeah. no, <laughs> no, never a Yeah, yeah. No,
1: we do it. we We'll go back. We'll go back. We talked about doing a slightly longer last episode yeah. or doing two or something.
0: So yeah, cool. cool. Um. So there's that. And then in terms of any of those, was there was was there one other one? Was there one other little detail or piece of trivia? No, that was that. That might have been the last one. Any any overall thoughts? Anything that anything you want to add, Chris? I think because I think we're there. I think we're done.
1: Um. No, not really. I I thought it was a good... I I was pleased that we're starting to get some mythology, and I don't mind the move away from the visit ABC stories. Like I say, I think the Thanos is a good comparison, and hey, if we're building to Infinity War and Endgame, crack on. (laughs) It's bad. It's bad. Why why don't I always compare it to Marvel? But no, I thought it was really... I'm really engaged with the characters, the mystery of it, uh really enjoying it and the the tone of it and the color palette continues to amaze me
0: yeah it's really well done it's it's certainly yeah it and it's got it's it's weird how it finds this bizarre line between creepy and lighthearted and it's yeah it's it's a, it's really i can't think of anything that's managed to walk that line of creepy and fun mm. cuz it is it's creepy fun <laughs> mm. everything yeah, no, about everything about the unknown is off-kilter and unsettling yeah it's so much fun and silly and like yeah the characters they keep meeting are just insane like i said the school town follies i've just remembered um and you know like that guy at the beginning that just kept yelling you know the the beast is uh, you know upon me or whatever like what a weird character
1: yeah, there was a few weird... Uh, like, there was a bunch of dialogue like hidden in the pub stuff. I really love that element, like the cat's out of the bag now, do tell. Like, yeah, uh, yeah like just really. There was yeah, there were a lot of clever dialogue stuff. turns,
0: like when he goes, "That guy is nuts, mm, nuts because he's hungry." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah. cool. Yeah, that's I will call that everything for this week. So we'll be back, obviously, in a in a, in a week's time, and, or if you want. Go subscribe on uh, Patreon because we are putting the episodes up a week early on the Patreon. So if you go, you, go. you know, you can just give us $1 a dollar a dollar a month, subscribe, and you can you can go listen to episode. You can listen to the next episode now.
1: Why not? I was um, I left a gap there
0: for them to go do that.
1: <laughs> I I don't know why you wouldn't, Dan. Quite frankly,
0: no, would be mad. And speaking of mad, the next episode is called Mad Love. So there you go. Hey, there we go. There you go. Um no you'd be you'd be you'd be mad not to. Go give us some because 'cause we're poor. No, um <laughs> No, we're trying to make the Patreon actually worth having now. That's the main reason we've done it. And if it's of interest yeah. to you to get to, to go ahead and listen to next week's so you can go do that at the moment. I don't know if we'll do it for every single episode because I'm 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 looking ahead at the very final one and thinking that it might be on might be a bit mean to make the final one available to patrons before thinking but I've not decided yet, but certainly the bulk of the episodes of this are going up a week earlier on the Patreon page. Um, so yeah, continue to... You can, if anyone who already supports us there, obviously, thank you. And anyone who would like to, you go. So it's patreon.com slash nothing but static. Um, also, obviously, um, speaking of mad love, mad love to my man Fretzel, who did the music for this episode. Um, who else should I be calling? <laughs> that cutting? was a funny... exchange. I did enjoy it, as much as you were
1: out of it. I did. That's a good example of you being out of it last week, where you're just like... Yeah, Fretzel, and it just comes across like you've had a fight, and it doesn't help by me constantly
0: being like listener, not friend. But yeah, I would, no. That was it. Was bad. That was not. That was not a good Dan performance. That was Dan off his head. No. I don't know what the problem was. I was. Especially I was. I was we, clearly Fretzel. We, <laughs> we talked about it being quite early, so I'm wondering if I just. Like cocked up and like just just had not gotten enough sleep the night before or something. But anyway, different different issue. So yeah, thanks. It's very weird much. though that we like we weren't even
1: releasing them. Why did we? Why did we do it? If we,
0: like, do you know what <laughs> I mean? Like
1: I, the the only thing I can fathom is that we did it before then recording something else because it's also quite short.
0: So I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's a hundred percent. That's exactly you. you yeah, I think you've nailed it. Which is like the um. The, I think we did it before like an MBS. Hmm. Which is just a terrible idea. Yeah, we and we, but it's so. But well, that, that was the point. now that was the point. We, we w- have a
1: rule of not doing that. <laughs> yeah, but
0: I think. The, yeah, but I think as well, we were trying to get ahead because we wanted to release them in time for sort of like fall. We were hoping to hit October, basically, and this was late September. Hmm. So I think that's what we yeah, went that's wrong. Anyway, different story. Right. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll come back to you uh, in a week's time for more of this. Um, we'll be discussing Mad Love, which is one uh, of one of the one of the one of, one of, the better, one of my favourite
1: episodes, I'd say. Mm. Little tease for you, Been Chris. Good.
0: A good good British uh, a British legend guest cast guest voice next week's episode. A legend Ooh, of okay. British... Give me
1: give me give me a hint of what they're a legend for.
0: Comedy. <laughs> from a from a very from a classic British sitcom. But also many what other decade? things. But I think most people the classic British sitcom is the uh, what is their most iconic role.
1: What decade?
0: I think that would be giving you too much information, do you not think?
1: Go on, give me the decade. I don't know if, if I guessed it'll be fucking amazing.
0: Do you, i d I'm not sure I want to give you the de- the decade. I don't
1: Just I don't want give to give me the a... decade. Seventies. Seventies? Yeah. Ooh. Well my instinct. Yeah. It would be Michael Crawford, right? But I feel like you wouldn't say he was best known, yeah, for a sitcom. Yeah, I feel like you'd be like sitcom slash West End star. Yep. Seventies.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure seventies. Shall I double check that? <laughs> Just make sure I've not got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, seventies, late seventies, admittedly. Well, mid to late, but yeah.
1: Okay. Trying to think of '70s sitcoms, The Good Life. Um, okay,
0: this is a fun game for the listeners.
1: <laughs> I take it I've not named the sitcom, a British sitcom from the '70s. Huh. Big one. I'm sure Porridge was the likely lads. Mm. Porridge was '80s,
0: I think. I think bigger than both of the ones you've named so far. Dad's Army. Um, it's not Dad's Army, but I'm moving in the right direction. Uh, I mean, moving in that direction, maybe not so much, but like certainly in terms of. Is its it weird scale. to you
1: that I'm naming sitcoms but haven't named
0: the sitcom? Correct. I thought giving you the decade would give you this immediately, because I would argue it's the most famous sitcom from that decade.
1: My mind's completely blanking.
0: I love it, I love that you don't know, great because you're like the British sitcom guy. it's your thing. this is like you this is
1: But exactly this is why it's bugging me, it's so not the good like porridge. I'm sure porridge is later, so it's not porridge.
0: I'll confirm it's the not biggest... porridge, but I don't know when porridge came out eighties, I guess
1: arguably the British biggest British sitcom of the seventies. oh I mean some others do have 'em I mean
0: I mean it's it's to be honest with you, one the of the numbers. biggest British sitcoms of all time full stop porridge also was the seventies. Porridge oh, would have. Really? Porridge would have technically run alongside it for at least a few years.
1: Okay. Well, not I'll not stop.
0: literally alongside it, but.
1: I'll stop trying to guess and yeah. and let people go. But.
0: Yeah. But it's. A, it, you know, I, I like the next episode a lot. It's. A, I think the next episode's a lot of fun. So I'm excited. I'm ju- honestly, like... just sat here racking my brains for sitcoms. <laughs> Dear lord. <laughs> you know what's amazing is that we're gonna end is this. It? We're gonna end this podcast, and you're gonna text me in like three hours. Like, is it this? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I will. no, I guarantee it. Is it a sitcom? You know, I've seen.
0: Yes, it's a sitcom that by birthright you are shown in the UK, and if you haven't seen it, then you don't watch TV. Like it's what you're what you're either in the category of people who do not care about television or British sitcoms, or you've seen this sitcom. Jeez, I'd be surprised I feel... if it turned out you hadn't seen this. My mind would melt.
1: I feel like a fool, Dan, because obviously Blackadder's ninety um eighties. Yep.
0: Oh, The Young Ones. Nope. Fuck me. Although The Young Ones was 80s, though, wasn't it? I thought The Young Ones was 80s. Yeah,
1: I think Young Ones. I think you're right. I think Young Ones was
0: not that it was during all the punk stuff, wasn't it, Young Ones?
1: Yeah, it was the alternative comedy scene.
0: So I guess that would have been...
1: And that's... I suppose that's what I... 80, in my mind, I'm trying
0: to... was The Young Ones.
1: In my mind, I'm trying to think of, like, The Good Life or... Yeah.
0: I. Anyway, okay. Wow. And for and for oh. listeners, by the way, who don't know who don't know what we're referring to, obviously, um, if you go to the IMDb page for this particular episode of the uh, of of Over the Garden Wall, you can obviously see the cast list, and you'll immediate you should immediately know which. Because I, I guess art to our, for our American listeners, this this sitcom might not be as big of a deal, but um, the, the the actor certainly is. Okay cuz cool. the actor is right. also very famous for other stuff but the i think for that i think household name status may have may have come here for this particular performer still not getting it wow
1: no are they still working yeah occasionally
0: sporadic not you know
1: well, yeah, they're presumably quite old now but yeah
0: yeah re- reasonably old and, and and but it still shows up uh, showed up on our sitcom uh, earlier this year, an American one. Um, we obviously did the voice work for this only a couple of years back, you know. Um,
1: oh, right, okay, right. Now I know exactly who it is. Fair enough. You figured it out? Yeah. You might as well
0: say it if you have worked it out.
1: Will be. It'll be. Oh, I'm a cock. Why did that take me so long? <laughs> what a bell end. It'll be. It'll be John Cleese, and it'll be Fawlty Towers. Correct.
0: <laughs> Fawlty yeah. Towers, which is oh, arguably man. one of the biggest sitcoms of all time
1: yeah yeah certainly yeah definitely definitely bigger than the good life
0: <laughs> yeah i mean like you from and my so, perspective then you must have like you must have thought i was either being an, exaggerating or being a dick but I, I now you know which sitcom i'm talking about everything i said accurate, right like one of the biggest sitcoms of all yeah, time yeah
1: yeah and you know what annoys me you know what annoys me i kept thinking of monty python but going well it's not a sitcom and dan wouldn't make that mistake Ugh, so annoying
0: yeah, which is when I was saying right. when cool. I was saying he was famous for other stuff I was thinking of Monty, he's working in Monty Python but yeah John Cleese is the actor and the show I was thinking of his Forty tower so yeah John Cleese is in the yeah. next episode he has a role I like John Cleese who awesome. doesn't like John Cleese I like him a lot there you go cool, cool. so right. thanks thanks for everyone for listening and to, 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 uh, listening to our new game that we're going to do at the end of every episode which is Guess the British Sitcom irrelevant to uh, uh, you know, Over the Garden Wall but we're going to keep doing yeah. it because why not
1: so, doesn't matter whether it's connected or not it's my turn
0: next week and I've got to think of a good one <laughs> Please, let's not let's not make people enjoy that. <laughs> Absolutely go to. All
1: right. <laughs> see you soon.
0: Take care, everyone. Thanks very much for the listening. We'll see you next time. I've been Dan Doolan. I've been Chris Billingham. And we'll see you next time as we overanalyze the garden wall.